I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome again to Hometown Glory, a podcast in no way named and time to launch to shamelessly tie in with the return of Tottenham's greatest musical export. You're with me, Charlie, Ash, Billy, Rosa and Tom. And we'd like to start by saying a huge thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode. We were really, really so surprised and flattered by how many people tuned in and incredibly grateful for the feedback we've, we've received too. We're very excited to be doing this, especially as we've just confirmed a couple of guests. We are extraordinarily giddy, excited, beside ourselves with. Um, But today it's just the five of us and we've got plenty to get into. Not least, another victory for Nuno's crafty Spurs up at Newcastle. Um, So guys, it was a very Spurs start and finish to the match, but pretty good all round, right? Especially considering the way the narrative seemed to mean we were destined to be the full guys on the day. Um, Billy, thoughts thoughts on Newcastle? Yeah, I think it's a great win. Um, I think the highlight for me was hearing the sheer disappointment in Martin Tyler's voice when we scored. Um, I think Martin Tyler's commentary is becoming increasingly like uh, an advert for an old people's home. He's sort of just rambling on aimlessly about things, being interrupted now and then. Um, but it's almost as if like he thought that Tottenham had the audacity to ruin this, and it, it literally, um, quote, forward for word, fairy tale of the Newcastle's new owners. Um, and like the sheer disappointment in his voice when Andombele scored was for me the highlight. And um, it was as if Tottenham have ruined the party. Um, and I think, you know, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of the coverage from Squire was disgraceful, um, which made the win even better. So up the Spurs. Um, Ash, I know you had some thoughts on Sky going into this. Yeah, I, I'm with Billy. I thought like the, the coverage was weird and it's almost like rather than commentating now, they've just given into like whatever narrative um, is happening that week. And yeah, I, I find it weird that Sky, who was so against the Super League, were sort of like, yeah, it's just odd, completely odd. And yeah, like Billy said, it made like the win so much sweeter. Billy, go on. 
Yeah, I think one of the problems from Sky as well is the sort of people that they draw upon. Um, I think before the match, the coverage, Jamie Redknapp was so excited by the Newcastle owners and he was talking about um, how fans don't care about their, their who their owners are and stuff like that. And I think asking Jamie Redknapp to have a on you know human rights and abusive owners it's a bit like asking a dog to analyze Chaucer um it's just it's not going to happen so I think a lot of the problem with Sky stems from their awful selection of pundits and they're just voices I'm just tired of hearing to be honest in football Rosa if you could pick one who would be your go-to pundit for Spurs in those occasions I, I feel like we've not perhaps got the sort of ideal Spurs centric pundit who who would who would you pick yeah, I mean, it's definitely not Jamie Redknapp who they, I feel like they sort of <laughs> hilariously trot him out to be like, he played for Spurs and he hates us. We sacked his dad. Like, that's, you don't want that. Um, I don't know. I feel nobody really covered themselves in any sort of glory on Sunday, did they? That was a sort of day that'll go down in history. It's a pretty bleak one. I think there are things that we can do to just make sure that this isn't something that's swept under the rug, really. Like, it's done now, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. And I know everybody's let it go, really, with Man City and PSG. But I think there are worse things than being a massive hypocrite, and we can still talk about this. Billy, go on. You were going to say something. Yeah, I think um, it's a weird one, Spurs pundits. We don't really have that good representation. I think... Gina started off quite as a good, a decent pundit for Spurs, but he sort of, I think as Pochettino left, he's kind of grown to hate us. Um, and he's now sort of more negative than anyone to do with Spurs. Um, so I'm going to just give a shout out to the People's Pundit, which is, of course, Michael Dawson, um, who should be, commentate and participate and even play centre-back in every Spurs game ever, still. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He's um, he sort of left in the studio at Sky, isn't he? Like they don't really let him into stadiums much. He has to do the sort of soccer Saturday. Um, he's having to put the sort of hard yards in there before he's allowed to step up. Um, Rosa, go on. I've got a theory about Jermaine Genus, who I loved so much as a as a Spurs player, and I think um, he was very indulged at Tottenham in a way that many players are, who are good, but they're never as good as they should be. And I think he knows that. And I think he sort of despises us for it, to be honest. Like we didn't ever, we loved him. And we, and I think he secretly knows that he was never as good as he should have been and we shouldn't have indulged him and he hates us for it. That's my theory. I also just think the one show's gone to his head, hasn't it, a bit? Now, yeah, that's the that's the more straight. Now he's doing light entertainment. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's gone to his head a bit. He, he definitely just sounds really 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 disappointed in any match he co-commentates on us where if we're not like four nil up within 15 minutes just the the the, the moaniness i mean you could literally take him from the west stand and you know he, he just has the same sort of exasperated why aren't they putting the ball in the net every three minutes this isn't good enough this isn't good enough moaniness um anyway we should get back to um a glorious 3d victory that should have been about five Five one, it felt like. I think if, if I had one gripe, I think the fact that we really sort of played as if it was a friendly throughout most of the second half, and we were in in their half and just sort of lightly cantered towards their box without really ever putting our foot down. But um, how, how did everyone feel the game went? I, I assume we all had the same sense of dread after two minutes when when Newcastle scored. I don't even think it's dread; it's just what I expect. 
<laughs> I just thought, oh, okay, Spurs. And like, Resignation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're playing into the Newcastle narrative perfectly. And the amount of games that I've seen us start and we just like concede straight away, like it's just unbelievable. But I thought we responded really, really well. And I know that the start was shaky and like, especially for like Romero, you could tell that he'd like played far far too closely to this game and had travelled like he was really bad for the opening sort of 20 minutes and he like grew into the game and Mm -hmm. was a force all second half and of course I have to shout out Tangai who I've been like supporting for three years with all of his terrible performances but he was majestic and he just like ran the show and covered the most ground all game yeah, I think there's a case to say that's probably his best ever game for us. Um, and the kind of player that we all wanted and we all thought we were getting, we finally seem to see. I think um, credit to Nuno, it seems like we finally found a position that he thrives in. Um, I think if you've got a player like Tangyon Dombele, you don't want him to be having any defensive responsibility. Um, that's where he's going to get caught out. And the games where he's been sort of been found out in the past are when he's been having to track back and you know defend, which is not what he's about. You see the joy that he can create with the football. Um, and I saw it, we saw it all throughout the game. Like, it was just a really, really good performance. So um, more of the same of that would be amazing. He was amazing. And I've thought he was mostly terrible for three years he has been mostly terrible he's been nothing but disappointing really and I've gone I've, I've felt myself I've been slowly mad by people on the internet who insist that he's the best thing ever based on three minutes here and 10 minutes there but one he finished 90 minutes incredible can't believe it Two, he did absolutely run the game Billy's right you can't give him any defensive responsibilities you need those two behind him um, otherwise, it's catastrophe. And another friend of ours, Dan, said um, he is the sort of reverse kind of Dembele in that Dembele we sort of thought was going to play further forward and ended up kind of excelling in that um, central midfield role. And and Dembele is the other way around, really. People keep insisting that he needs to play further back, but actually he needs to be further forward. That's, you know, maybe in some other universe where we're more solid he gets to play further back. But in this one, he has to be forward. Yeah, I, I don't think we're a good enough team to indulge the idea of Undombele playing in a midfield two in Premier League matches. And I, I wonder if that's ever going to be the case, if we're going to play two quite buccaneering fullbacks and a front four that sort of take up whatever space they seem to want to take up at any given time. I think having that discipline from the central midfielders is going to be absolutely essential. Um, we've been chatting amongst ourselves about some of the, some of the, some of Spurs. Some of Spurs Twitter doesn't seem to like Pierre Emile Hoybier as much as what well, I do. I'm, I'm a bit of a Hoybier um, stand slash fanboy slash apologist, seemingly now. Um, Tom, you're with me, right? I just think he's by been our best defensive player now for so long, like since he joined. Um, yeah, he's a rock in that central midfield position and he started spraying balls about in quite a beautiful fashion. Like he made a few passes in the Newcastle game that were just like incredible. Um, and yeah, and Dombele was great as well. I just think generally that game, 
obviously it started so badly and WhatsApp groups and, uh, you know, our text groups were going pretty mad and it looked awful. But actually, Charlie, like you said, we should have scored five or six and it's pretty bonkers that we didn't score in the second half at all, really. It's, um, I found it quite hilarious. Sort of, You could almost see the Spurs players realising that Newcastle were atrocious. It was like as soon as the sort of first 10 minutes wore off, you could see them almost exchanging glances like, of course, this is this is Newcastle and they are absolutely terrible. We can just pass our way around them. They they can't defend. They're going to run out of steam. Literally, I've never seen a team run out of steam quicker than, than Newcastle did. It was sort of extraordinary. Um, Billy, any other thoughts on the first half particularly? Yeah, I think going back to what Tom said about Hoybier, I think because of the weird way the goal happened, like the VAR and everyone sort of assumed it was offside. I think even Harry himself thought he was offside at one point. I think the kind of the assist has been sort of um, forgotten about a bit, but I think that was such a good pass over the top from Hoybier. And I think because of the whole incident, it kind of retracted from that. But I think that was an amazing pass. And it's not the first time he's... he's I remember he had one against Man United last year in the in the away game. He had a similar kind of assist where he, he put a, a through ball through. Um, I think he's a really talented player. And I think, I think the balance with him and Skip... Um, a bit deeper is, is working really really well and I also want to shout out Oliver Skip who had a really tidy game again and he's kind of just he's one of those players that sort of does everything all the basics really really well um, he's never going to be one of those players that grabs the headlines but without him I think we'd really really struggle so I think the balance in midfield now is a lot better since we've gone for the four-two-three-one, um, and it seems like Nuno has settled on it as well which is good and I think going forward that's the formation we've got to be playing it's the team we've got to be playing and um, yeah it's going well so far but as I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute, I think a real test will come at the weekend of West Ham. That'll be sort of a real reality check on where we actually are as a team, I think. There was also just some nice stuff between Lucas, Kane and Son as well. Better than a lot of other games, it felt like they actually knew each other and played together in that Newcastle game. And I think Ndombele, the, the link with the front three... And then also the sort of those wall passes he likes to do with Hoybier and Skip, where he was just coming back, passing it to them, getting it off him, looking for angles, looking for space. I mean that that as we've said, that's who we were promised, you know, about sixteen years ago. It feels like we signed him now about seven managers ago, whatever it was. But yeah, really, really encouraging all around. And I think that Skip Hoybier base could be the way to go. And, you know, they they both, without, and I know I run the risk of sounding sort of proper football man about this, but Skip and Hoybier seem like the sort of characters that decent teams with aspirations of winning need. And I think we've all seen enough sort of lily-livered central midfielders, in particular Tottenham, to know that having, you know, having guys that are willing to put a shift in, sort of chew out their teammates if they need it, I think there's there's an awful lot of promise in that duo. I think I'd like to spend a minute talking about Christian Romero. Ash touched on the fact that there was a bit of ring rust from the travel and playing for Argentina about, you know, three hours before the Newcastle game kicked off or whatever it was. But how how amazing is it to see just someone standing up for their teammates, not taking any nonsense from opposition players? He, he looks like he might be the real deal to me. Ash, do you want to talk any more about our growing Christian Romero love? Yeah, he he just looks like a proper defender, and like the biggest like credit I can give him is that I feel very relaxed now when he's in the team. And I think I don't want to go overboard because it was only Newcastle, but the same can be said of like Emerson. I thought he played really really well, and like the first game, obviously he had like a really tough day against Zaha, and like the whole day was just a disaster. But 
yeah, it looks like the signings that we made in the summer are actually quite good. And I've been really down about Spurs this season, but the one thing that gives me like a little bit of confidence is the fact that the signings look really, really, really good. So, yeah, like a full season with Romero and hopefully another partner instead of Dyer, and I think we might be in business. Um, Romero's become your guy straight away, right, Rosa? Yeah, completely. I mean, ironically for a Spurs fan, I really, really love competent defending. So when I get to see it, it's just it's so nice. It's so nice. It's such a rare, beautiful thing. He's like a rare bird in flight. And it's just wonderful to see. I think Ash is right. He needs a different central um, defensive partner. I know fans, I'm not one of them. He did a good job on Saturday, on Sunday, in trying to save a man's life. So thank you, Eric. But I can't really watch him very much anymore. I think aside from anything else, he is—he's just cursed, isn't he? That own goal was ridiculous, and the kind of thing that could only happen to him. But if we have Romero, one other central defender, and then the two fullbacks that we've got now, and I think they both—I think also um, Reguilón had a good day as well. And I think we're we're close, aren't we? Are we? I don't know. It feels like we are. It feels like we could have like a proper back four again. Can I just take a moment to mention the bizarre world of Eric Dyer? Because well, how many weird incidents have we had now? Like, obviously, he ran into the stands to confront someone. I you know, essentially potentially to fight a man. Um, he also ran off the pitch to go to the toilet that time. And then in one game, he attempted to save a man's life, which was obviously brilliant. You know, ran over to our bench, uh, got the defibrillator, and then scored an own goal with his, like, genitals <laughs> by the end of the game. So, like, it, well, yeah, it's just bizarre. I don't know, I'm probably missing some other weird, dire incidents, but... Yeah, maybe um, we do need a different centre-back as well. I, I, I wonder if it, he's just sort of testing the limits to see what he has to do to be dropped from this first team at the minute. And maybe the own goal was like, you know, it was sort of performance art. It was so, it was so beautifully executed. Um, I, I do like Eric Dyer. I think, again, I think he brings probably a lot of leadership. I think whilst Romero's getting to grips with the Premier League, it's probably useful to have a proper talker next to him that, you know, can long-term, maybe there needs to be another option. Whether it exists in our squad as it is with Sanchez and Rodon, um, I'm not sure. Um, quickly, Tanganga, come on. Tanganga, of course. Of course, yeah. I mean, is Jaffa a right I want it to be he... true. I'm not yeah, convinced yet. Yeah, I mean, he, I don't he think, needs a I don't think Nuno is either, so. No. Um, is Harry Kane back, by the way? Yes. Yeah, Tom Curry came back. Yeah. He looked like it. He looked lively, didn't he? Um, and I was worried because I didn't watch that England game, but everyone said he was atrocious in in that England game. So he looked, yeah, like energetic and lively. I think um, one of the interesting things for me is when he scored as well. Like the players were buzzing, like and they were like proper celebrating with him, and really happy. So I think any kind of um, any sort of rumours of rifts in the squad between Harry, who's isolated in the squad or whatever, could be put to bed. And hopefully, you know, that's this is the Harry that we, if we're if we're going to get in the top four or do anything or you know even get in the top six at this point, we need Harry Kane playing like that. Um, otherwise, we just got no chance. Like he's our only, you know, he's our only hope. Him scoring goals is our only hope to get back where we need to be. Um, so yeah, positives in that. Hopefully, 
There is this always a weird narrative around Harry that whenever he goes like a game or two without scoring, it's almost like, yeah, it's never going to happen again. And I think that's partly like the way he kind of came up and people never really believed it at the beginning. And maybe we, yeah, maybe that's just like part of it, but I still am not back in love with him in any shape or form. Like that's completely gone for a while. Um, But yeah, he's definitely back. I mean, he's, he never really went anywhere. It was just like a lack of effort. In my in my honest opinion, like I think the Chelsea game, he was just walking around the pitch, and like on Sunday, he was like really putting himself about, and like long may that continue. Rosa, I think you stayed the most true um, to your sort of undying Harry love. You must be you must be thrilled to see him looking like his old self again. Yeah, I I just can't not love him. It's been so long. It would just, it would take more, especially while he's still at the club. I understand why other people don't feel that way, but he is just still the guy really for me. And maybe, you know, maybe playing so badly for England was a bit of a wake up call. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but it did. It looked like we had our Harry back. And even if that's just for another six months, another year, you know, I am proud. Um, Just quickly again, Everyone's moment of the match. This is a little thing we're going to do after each game. Could obviously be anything at all from a goal or Eric Dyer and Sergio Reggion saving a man's life. Anything at all. Billy, your moment of the match? Yeah, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to have to go for the utter disappointment in Martin Tyler's voice when we equalised because that just made it even better for me. Brilliant. Ash? I'm going to go for Ndombele on the fast on the right hand side of the pitch playing like multiple passes with various of our players and getting out of a really tight space and mugging off Shelby for the first booking. With a foot injury as well. He was like injured for half a half as well. <laughs> he wasn't injured, he's just that's just what he's like. <laughs> um Tom yours. I think it's just Kane's goal, to be honest. Like it, it did did look offside at first, so um I was despairing, but yeah, hopefully that's the first of many. It took him till October to score, but hopefully he gets going now. Mm. Rosa? Spoiling the party. That's it. I hated it. I hated everything that was going on before that match. I hated the coverage. I hate what's happened. So I was so glad to make it in that city miserable that day. Sorry, Newcastle. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the purple shorts. I know everyone hates the shirt. I think though that the there's something about Spurs in purple that I, I do really love. And if I just sort of like slightly kind of crease my eyes and I can't really make out the green and stuff on the shirt, and I just see the purple, I think it looks pretty glorious. And I, I love those shorts. I'm already annoyed at myself for buying them. Um, we. Also, I want to know your most brilliantly Spurs moment of the match. Obviously, there's there's plenty of these in any match um, in terms of just how ludicrous Tottenham Hotspur can be at any given time. But what was the most quintessentially Tottenham Hotspur moment of this particular game? Um, Tom, you first. Something we haven't touched on. I don't think it's quintessentially Tottenham, but just I forgot to mention the lack of substitutions like Nuno. There are now green shoots from Nuno. Like it was a good performance, but it, why did he make no subs? That was extremely bizarre. So maybe that that kind of weirdness is extremely Tottenham. Well, it was logical to make changes, particularly as we have a game 
on Thursday and a massive, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Did anyone else think that was weird? It was super weird considering as well, you know, the South American situation and yeah, you you know, give Emerson a break or something. He's just played for Brazil in wherever it was. Yeah, very odd. Um, Billy, what was your... Yeah, I'm going to go for the weird, the weird COVID drama before the game. Um, it's kind of like what a weird 24, 48 hours the whole thing has been. I mean, a couple of things about it. Firstly, the fact that um, Davinson Sanchez, for example, is allowed to play in a football match, but he's not allowed to sit with his teammates, which just seems totally bizarre to me. And if he did play, he wouldn't be allowed to celebrate with his teammates. And the whole idea of that kind of blows my mind a little bit. But then the whole weird like 48 hour thing of the two positive tests and then they've been retested and retested again and if they retest positive they can play it was just such a bizarre kind of th- thing that happened so i'm gonna i'm gonna go for all the weird covid stuff that happens i'd almost forgotten about that now you're right it was the 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 absolute heartbreak that we all had thinking that son was going to miss what like three games or whatever it was for, a, for literally 24 hours we all thought that very strange um ash yours i'm sticking with the the first newcastle goal which was just peak spurs in everywhere <laughs> it really it really truly was um i thought lucas had a few very lucasy moments that felt um there are a couple of really beautiful free flow moves where i was sending all sorts of anti-lucas um propaganda down into various text groups and whatever but then he turns it around and i thought he had a really good performance and that little burst through for our third goal was absolutely majestic and I think proof that he needs to be sort of needs to be playing centrally, doesn't need to have any impact, I think. Um and he now, you know, he seems to be pretty cemented in that first team. So a few more goals, well, a goal from him would be nice. And mine is also happened during the game but happened after, which is that I know everyone immediately after that win went to the league table, looks at it, thought, God, we're fifth and we're only three points off Liverpool. And, you know, if we put a run together, what could we do? And we're already doing it. We're already doing it. So that, for me, is the Spurs moment. Um, it's mad tight, the table, isn't it? I think that's the, the bizarre thing. And, you know, we've won, what is it, one five, lost three, which isn't terrible considering people do seem to be dropping points. And yet, yeah, I mean, most of us, I still think, probably feel Nuno is a dead man walking. The, the bizarre world of Tottenham. Yeah. He's not um, the guy. He's, no, I still don't think he is. And I think moving on, we'll probably know a hell of a lot more this time next week. I think Vitesse away, you know, we'll, we'll, we can touch on briefly. I, I looked up Vitesse, they're sixth in an 18 man, sorry, 18 team Dutch league. They've won five, drawn one, lost three. So not too unlike ourselves. Unbeaten in four, beat final a couple of games ago. They possess fans so bouncy and exuberant they collapsed a stand at NEC, their main rivals on the weekend. Um, their stadium holds 21,248, so quite compact, but quite a new stadium. Um, I imagine we'll play quite a shadow 11. What do we, what do we reckon? Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, as Tom was just saying, like the, the no subs definitely heavily hints at that. It'd be interesting to see. Like, I think what the beginning of the season has shown is that I think this could be the end for Delhi in terms of the Premier League. I think he's probably going to be limited only to the Conference League and he'll probably score quite a few goals, but I just can't really see him ever getting back in the Premier League team at the moment, especially when Tongi is ahead of him and then Gio is probably ahead of him. Um, and he does not look at home in the central midfield role. So I feel like 
It'd be interesting in competition to be able to see Delhi and a few others like Brian Hill. Um, yeah, I think it's a weird game because like Vitesse is one of those teams that they sound like a Europa League team, really. Like, I think we were promised playing all these crazy teams in this new conference competition that we'd never heard of. <laughs> we've actually ended up with quite a group where they're, they're quite teams that we already know, um, teams that we've heard of. And not, not the, I don't think it's going to be an easy game on Thursday. Like, it's not going to be like a, a rollover like um, the last conference league game was. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's only right considering who we play on the weekend. Um, how's everyone feeling about West Ham? Tom, I know you're a huge West Ham fan and must be beside yourself with excitement. I think with West Ham coming up, the, that Thursday game, we just need to yeah rest everyone, honestly. Like, as Billy was saying, play... Delhi, Ben Davis, Doherty, Winks, whoever, Dane Scarlett, um, because that West Ham game is so big. I saw it was a year ago, the three all, wasn't it, the other day? <laughs> and West Ham, there was a social video that West Ham had put out about it, uh, reminding us that it was there were eight minutes to go when we were, th- we were 3-0 up. Um, oh and, yeah, our recent record against West Ham is just so so bad so yeah i'm i'm just worried and they're far far better than newcastle so i um yeah it's going to be worrying at the weekend it's um it'll be the same team as newcastle right in terms of our lineup i can't see them changing this now anyone would anyone put anyone different in the team no i'd keep it the same i, I mean i saw like a few people calling for Les Celso to come in but i think it has to remain the same team like he'd be crazy to change it and I think looking back at like Nuno at Wolves, it appears that he kind of just sticks to the same eleven. <laughs> so that that would be like quite interesting to see like the back end of the season, like how fit we are. Because mm. they might be run into the ground by that point. They're not even fit now, are they? Billy, how are you feeling about West Ham? Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting game for us because it's kind of a reality check. And I think you know our biggest problem, no secret, has been midfield um, going from literally possibly the worst midfield display I've ever seen in my life against Arsenal. We've kind of changed it around since then and it's getting a bit better. But I think in Declan Rice, we're possibly coming to get up against the best central midfield in the Premier League at the moment. I watched him against Everton. He was unbelievable. I saw a few Everton fans saying that's the best best performance they've ever seen at Goodison Park and stuff. Um, so I think this is the real acid test for our midfield, our new look midfield. Um, and someone like Oliver Skip and Hoybier are going to have to have the game in their lives because the way Declan Rice is playing at the moment, he can just control games. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see that. I think he can't lose this match, right? I think after the, the London derbies we've had so far have been so embarrassing, so humiliating for Tottenham. I think whatever he does, and this makes me nervous in that I, I worry that we'll set up to not lose rather than win the game because I think he'll know that they can't afford to ship goals like we've done in the other derbies. But my my hope is Kane's looking like himself. Son seems to be, you know, hitting one of those red hot forms. Lucas, like we were saying, they, the, the, the three of those guys seem to be linking really well. Um, Rosa, are you confident? No. Um, I... <laughs> Yeah, this is a big test. I don't have a lot of confidence that that we're going to pass it. I would probably, it's really pathetic, I'd probably take a horrible nil-nil. Um, it's that there's, they'll be so up for it. I, Declan Rice is brilliant. I hate that I don't hate him. I, he's just so good. I wouldn't normally feel like this, but after Palace, after Arsenal, I think let's just, in the you know, in the words of my fantasy football team, have some dignity, please. They, they owe us some sort of dignity after the derbies we've had so far, Billy. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting, just um, going by what Rosa just said there, we haven't actually drawn a game this season yet. Um, so I think I'd very happily have this as our first draw to get out of there. Um, we've got some really difficult fixtures coming up. We've got Man United and Everton next after that. So I know you mentioned this just now. I feel like it's kind of make or break for Nuno. I think if we were to win on Sunday, it would be so huge for Nuno. It would be a massive win to get the fans on board against one of our biggest rivals. Um, but I'd, be, I'd take a draw right now, to be honest, get out of there, get it done um, and move on from there. I think seeing some signs of defensive stability would be nice, which is why I don't think nil-nil would be a terrible result. I think, you know, seeing some sort of, um, yeah, unified, joined-up defending from a settled back four with those two in front of them, I think would be would be a start. Um, predictions for the game, everyone? Ash, what are you predicting? I think we're going to lose. I'm going to go... 2-1 loss because West Ham just look really good at the moment which I can't believe I'm, I'm actually saying um, but yeah they look decent and I'm still not convinced about like us cause, just because I think Newcastle were absolutely shocking so mm. yeah I'm, I'll go for a loss on this one 2-1 Tom your, your pick upsettingly I'm with Ash yeah uh, West Ham are annoyingly good at the moment and I can't even believe I'm saying that West Ham are good. It really upsets me to even say it. Um, but I, yeah, I worry we're going to lose it. And that then, yeah, that'll be Chelsea, West Ham and Arsenal all before Christmas. Like, and, pa- and Palace. And Palace, well. Jesus. Score? Uh, I think Ash is probably right. 2-1 sounds about right. Okay, Rosa, your prediction? Do you know what? I'm just I'm going to go two all. I've got. I feel like I need to inject some positivity. I think they will <laughs> score. I don't think we'll get out of there without conceding. So I'm just going to say they'll score, and I and I hope we've got enough. I think those players they owe us. They've been abject in all of our derbies. Like they've got to show up for this one. Why am I saying this? But they have to. <laughs> I, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win 3-2. I've got a weird feeling that we're going to start really well. And I think Kane's going to score quite early on. We'll sort of quiet them down a little bit. Um, have a massive wobble and then sort of pull ourselves together and win. I've just got a feeling. I think this is going to be the match. I, I agree. I, surely, and I'm. this is real kind of narrator voice style coming back to haunt me, but they cannot humiliate us like they have done in these matches again, surely. Billy, are you with me or are you... Yeah, I'm actually really annoyed that you said that. I'm really annoyed that you said that because I was literally going to say exactly the same thing. I was terrified going into the Aston Villa game because we were playing a really competent team. They just didn't turn up, so I'm just going to have to hope that that happens again. Um, I think it might be interesting psychologically for West Ham because they always go into this game as underdogs and maybe Mm. for the first time in as long as I can remember, maybe they're not underdogs for this game they might even be favourites um, so that might play over their heads I'm just going to hope that they have an off day and it's kind of like a role reversal where we sort of step up to the plate as the underdogs um, and it is very depressing an idea to think that we might be underdogs against West Ham but that's kind of where we're at at the moment so I'm going to say 3-2 as well Ash has just had to very rudely leave us but we're going to um, we're going to plough on the four of us right Rosa please fill us in on Spurs women what's going on Yeah, it's not great, unfortunately. Um, We were rising very high, very excited. And then I sort of looked a little bit closer at what was going on. And we beat Man City, which was incredible. Um, They are not having a good season. And the other teams we've beaten had also lost all of their other games. So we played Brighton. And this this was a sort of test. And we failed it. And they lost to Brighton 
2-1 in the end at Brighton. So, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world. It's just slightly disappointing in that this was this was the sort this was the game really in which they were going to kind of prove their metal, I guess. And it didn't quite work out like that. But onwards and upwards, hopefully better next time. I think the women are on an international break now. I was going to ask Rosa, give us a couple of players that we should be excited about. Yeah, I would think for me, the big one really is that let's have a really fun number seven, Jessica Naz. She's the one I'm super excited about. Um, and the other is our is our queen, Shalina, who is our captain, our Olympic gold medal winner. Again, like a competent central defender. Those are the two for me. I'm going to take this season to like really properly get into it, I think. So it'd be nice if we could all have, you know, once we've all kind of watched a few games, get back and discuss the women properly. That's good to know. That's good to know. Um, and yeah, we're all really excited about getting stuck in properly this season. Boys, boys, I'm on Instagram live. Boys, oi, come on. Moving away slightly from, from Tottenham, um, but sticking with Tottenham-based heroes, um, Adele is back. Uh, what did everyone make of um, what did everyone make of the single, Tom? What did you think? I thought there was a Guardian review, um, Alexis Petridis, who kind of nailed it for me when he said that if you like Adele and you like the things that Adele does, then this is Adele doing those things really well. Um, but it's kind of not very different it's not going to shock you it's it is an Adele song and her vocals are brilliant but I would hope that there are there is something a bit different on the album and there are potentially bigger bangers on the album yeah I'd I'd agree I think I was well I was kind of underwhelmed then whelmed then emotionally overwhelmed once I listened properly and realized sort of lyrically it was very much addressed to her son um that that properly finished me off. Um, but yeah, hopefully the album contains a few more risks. I think the, hopefully the inflow tracks will be really good. Um, I like that she's written about her son, but also I want like anger about the divorce on the album. I can't lie. Poor old Simon. Don't want to stick the boot in anymore. <laughs> um, Billy, what did you think of the song? I think it was a really, a really, just a classic Adele song really. And like the vocals and everything about it was just classic Adele. Um, I think now that Adele is on her new album, I would kind of like to see her lean into the Tottenham side of things a bit more. I would maybe like to hear a song about Zagreb or something like that, you know, just really get into the emotional side of things. Um, <laughs> maybe a song about our, our season last year under Jose, you know, really dig deep into the emotional side of being a Tottenham fan. I think that's what I kind of want to hear more of on the new album. Hopefully it's not too late to make those changes, um, Team Adele, if if there isn't a song about Zagreb or the League Cup final. Um, Rosa, did you like the song? Yeah, I did. Again, it is, yeah, Adele being Adele. Um, I loved it once I found out she was singing for her song. That was the same sort of vibe for me, uh, being in that sort of, I've got two kids and this really speaks to me now sort of phase. Also, I don't know about the anger about her divorce, but I did read her American Vogue interview where she's talked about her old, her previous albums being all about relationships and, and kind of the other person being the fuck up saying what's wrong with you. And now, you know, so Billy, I kind of think she is coming more spurs because now she's got into that self-reflection phase where she's like, actually, maybe I'm the problem. I'm also really excited about the return of succession. Um, I think we've all watched episode one of season three now. Um, 
speaking of that sort of underwhelmed, whelmed, overwhelmed, or super positive about it, um, how how did everyone find the first episode? Tom, were you into it? It was just great to have Greg back, really, wasn't it? Uh, Cousin Greg, he had some brilliant lines in the first episode, uh, just when he was asked to kind of do the media monitoring for Kendall. (laughs) And he was like, the internet is so big. Uh, and then when the kind of professionals actually came in, he's like, I noted down some tweets. Do you want me to send you over the tweets? Uh, I thought he was just brilliant. And I loved the sunglasses and the fashion and Shiv being Shiv and like Brian Cox being just incredible. He's 70-something, 70, I want to say 76 from Dundee and he's just the best at by far the best actor on the screen when he's when he's on i think uh so yeah i loved it rosa did you love it too yeah i did i was discussing this with ollie my partner and we were both we were both very excited to have it back and it was that feeling of sort of taking a little while to kind of acclimatize there's nothing there's nothing to them they're they look amazing they're hilarious their lives are empty and awful and they're terrible people. And there's something like incredibly compelling about that. But it was, does sort of take a, a while. You're like, oh, okay, here I am back. I was relieved after the finale of season two that we weren't given Kendall as a hero. Any sort of narrative around that. I thought they very cleverly sort of burst that bubble really quickly by sort of representing him as utterly despicable and loathsome and embarrassing and creepy and cringy and all those things that you sort of grew to kind of hate slash love about Kendall. You got a kind of greatest hits of him just, you know, being such a moron as well as being kind of despicable. Um, Billy, how, how, what were your thoughts about the return? Yeah, I was just, I felt really lucky to be watching it really. Like I think, um, if you look at some of the best TV shows in history, and I do honestly believe that Succession will be remembered as one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Um, a lot of the ones like Sopranos, Breaking Bad, The Wire, I didn't watch live at the time. I kind of gone back to, um, with the exception of Breaking Bad, where I watched, managed to watch series five, like live week in, week out. Um, but this one, it kind of feels like it's the first time in a while that I've been watching a, a TV show that's at the very top of its game and being able to sort of absorb it all live in the moment and like experience it uh, on a weekly basis with everyone else at the same time. Um, so I feel like privileged that we're actually going through one of the greatest TV and I do honestly believe it's going to be remembered as one of the best TV shows, like the writing, the acting, everything about it is incredible. Um, I think it's kind of made me reflect that I kind of might need some counselling because, and I had the same thing with Breaking Bad where everyone's was like, oh, isn't Walt such a dickhead? But I kind of find myself rooting for Walt. I'm going to say this now and I feel terrible for saying it, but I'm kind of rooting for Logan. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> um, I'm on Logan's side and I know he's like the one of the worst, demonstrably worst people in the history of TV, but I kind of want him to win. I kind of want him to win this whole thing. Um, so I might need some counselling to unpack that, but I, yeah, big fan. I worry I'm the same. I, I, I can't stand Kendall to such a, such a degree that now that it's basically being pitched as, I suppose it always is, but now more, more so than ever, it's Kendall versus Logan. I'm totally team Logan as well and feel horrendous. Who is there, Rosa? Is there anyone we can root for? I can't figure it out. I feel like you're you're my no. whole sort of temperature taker on this. <laughs> no, there's no one. They're all terrible. I think the only the only difference is that some of them 
are just are also incredibly sad. Um, Tom, you're obviously on Team Greg all the way, right? And he is he someone we can root for, Greg, or is he kind of also basically evil too? I can't ever figure that one out. No, I think you can root for Greg because he's not going to get control of the company, is he? Like, no one's ever going to let Greg take over. No, yeah, Greg's all right. And I agree with you about Logan, Brian Cox, because also I, I just want to be as cool as him when I'm 76. In his, uh, in his, I think it, they were personal shades. He had amazing shades on last night. Um, yeah, I'm rooting for Logan for sure. You guys are so messed up. I knew this about you already because you're Spurs fans. So you're so messed up. <laughs> there is no counter to that. Billy, do you have a counter at all? Uh, no, I don't have a counter, but I just wanted to say, um, I think the, the, one of the underrated things about Succession is that the Roy family are absolutely incredible, and every single character, every single actor is at the very top of their game. Um, but I just want to shout out Tom and Matthew McFadden for the work he does as Tom. It's like kind of sprinkled in every episode, but every single line he sort of steals that scene that he's in. It's just like just makes you crack up laughing. Like I think it's an incredible performance, an incredible incredibly comedic performance um yeah so i I think it's easy to get lost in the the roy family because they're all such incredibly big characters but i just want to shout out tom as well because he's just a scene scene stealer and a spooks legend as well like i read i read a lovely interview with him uh in the evening standard the other day and he just seemed like such a nice guy matthew mcfadden still married to keely hawes who he met Mm. on the set of spooks what a lovely story really excellent piece in the uh in the evening standards yes magazine lovely shoot as well um i i'm so excited for tom and greg to be reunited i feel like that's the one thing missing for me was that they i think they're being purposely kept apart as it doesn't want to perhaps feel too fan servicing from the word go but those two coming back to each other the the for me the show's real romance there um rosa was there any last succession thoughts i think what was good to remember about that show what is how funny it is it's really funny it's hard to be that funny i think in a drama it's really easy to lose the humor and somehow they just they manage it like full credit to the writers and the actors it's fantastic and yeah i think the only way that we're going to win on sunday is if we go full fucking beast so let's let's bring on the full fucking beast <laughs> so she's over here panic buying bullets and buying a lot of Krugerrands, like a very particular currency, and she never even drinks the smoothies. To wrap us up as ever, I would like a culture recommendation from everyone. Um, Tom, you first. Uh, mostly just because I know Billy is a big raver. Um, the Going back to the Adele song, High Contrast did a remix almost as soon as it came out, and there's like a one-minute video of High Contrast on his Twitter playing the drum and bass remix of Easy On Me, and it's like really, really good. So I tweeted Adele and Columbia Records saying, make this the official remix because uh, that's really good. Um, I haven't listened to that yet, hopefully. I need to, uh, I need to check that out. Um, Rosa, what's your recommendation for this week? Um, my recommendation is going to sound a bit like homework, so apologies in advance. But we've just started watching Squid Game, uh, three episodes in. And it's not a spoiler, right, to say that one of the characters is um, a defector from North Korea, which is something that I just kind of hadn't thought about really before watching the show. And it made me think of this amazing book that I read. I think it was published about 10 years ago by the um, Los Angeles Times journalist Barbara Demick, where she interviews, she, she interviewed like loads of people who defected from North Korea, but she focuses on about 10 of them from one town. 
and it's called Nothing to Envy. It's absolutely brilliant. It's totally devastating, totally heartbreaking. But this is a podcast about things that are heartbreaking. So I feel like it fits with the theme. So that's just a bit of supplementary reading for your cultural work. We, we finished Squid Game and that feels like the perfect uh, next steps. So I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Um, thank you, Rosa. Billy, yours, please. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to live up to my reputation now as a bit of a raver. And um, on that note, I've actually gone for one of the best um, EPs of club music I've heard in a long time, um, which is the new Anne's EP, which is out on Ninja Tune, just come out this week. Um, she's an incredible DJ from Manchester. I actually managed to see her live um, really recently, and she's an incredible DJ. But her production is on another level. And the thing with her is you never kind of know what genre you're going to get. I think this EP has got like everything ranging from garage to jungle to a bit of funk in there. It's an incredible EP. Um, and I think it's some of the most vital club music being made in, in England at the moment. So shout out to Anne's. Nice one. Um, for me, I'm going to pick a song by Michael Kiwanuka, who's come back with a new, with a new track. Um, that track's called Beautiful Life. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's stately. It's just confirmation that he's become, for me, one of those just can't miss artists. Everything he does just feels really premium and exceptional. Um, He's also obviously exceptionally coy and very much on our must-have guest list. Um, so consider this the beginning of our campaign to get Michael Kimanuka on the podcast. Um, that's it, guys. We have completed episode two. Thank you very much for your time. Um, I hope everyone listening enjoyed our us rambling on there. Um, thank you very much. And um, who's going to see us out with the Paul Coy uh, up the Spurs this week Rosa I think it should be <laughs> Rosa's refusing to do it <laughs> shall we just get Paul Coit on for like 30 seconds every week to sort of buzz yeah. him like, just ring him up for like 30 seconds just go up the Spurs there you go well fucking beast them we'll go full fucking beast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.